0: Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. In a couple weeks, the Federal Communications Commission is planning to vote to repeal Obama-era regulations that protect net neutrality. The current rules ensure that internet service providers, such as Comcast or Verizon, aren't able to block or slow down certain websites. Net neutrality ensures everything on the internet is treated equally. But FCC Chairman Ajit Pai and some FCC commissioners think the regulation is unnecessary and that it's a hindrance on the free market. We're going to spend the hour talking about the plan to end net neutrality. We'll talk about what it does and what these changes could mean for the future of internet access in America. And we want to hear from you. Have you been following this issue? Are you worried about how much access you have to the internet now and how much you're paying for High speeds, good internet access. In just a few minutes, we'll talk to Congressman Dan Kildee about his thoughts on net neutrality. But first, let's hear from someone at the center of the proposed changes. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr is one member who plans to vote to repeal net neutrality. Detroit Today producer, uh, senior producer Laura Weber Davis recently asked him what the changes would mean for the future of the internet in America.
1: It's a good question. I think that there's been a lot of misinformation out there about what this change does. What the vote that we will take in December 14th will do is return to the exact same regulatory framework that governed the internet in 2015 and for the 20 years that preceded that. This is not going to eliminate net neutrality uh, as a concept that people understand it, and it's not going to remove all legal restrictions on what ISPs can and cannot do. There's a lot of laws, a lot of consumer protections uh, that are going to stay in place. And so we'll continue to have a free and open Internet after this vote.
2: If things wouldn't change or you don't anticipate that they would change too much, why would it be important to roll back this, this regulation that was put in place a few years ago?
1: Yeah. So what we've seen in the two-year experiment that we've had with Title II, and again, this was the first time uh, that we've ever applied Title II regulations across the Internet was these last two years, is we've seen a decrease in investment by ISPs and broadband networks. Uh, We've seen innovative new services uh, not rolled out. And also, the Federal Trade Commission, which is the nation's premier consumer protection agency, has by law been barred from taking any action against ISPs as a result of the Title II decision. Because when you classify something as a Title II service, it strips the FTC of all of its jurisdiction over ISPs, so I think we've seen a lot of downside to Title II, and so it's important that we go back to Title I because, you know, that will spur the investment, spur the deployment that we need to get additional services out there, and it won't have the downsides of Title II.
2: I think the major concern that I keep seeing cropping up is that this opens the this opens the doorway for uh, fast lanes to be created and potentially leaving some people out who can't necessarily afford a certain certain level of access to the internet that might be created, and that might leave people out from accessing information that perhaps wealthier people or people who um, value that as being more of a concern, putting more dollars into access to certain websites or to different types of um, uh, speed as far as data is concerned. I, I'm just... This fast lane approach that people are really worried about, is that not something that concerns you as well?
1: It does not. And here's why. I I fully hear what people are saying, and I uh, get their point entirely. I think it's in part uh, based on a misunderstanding of the way the F.C.'s current Title II rules work. The current Title II rules do not stop providers from offering bundled packages at different uh, price points. In fact, they don't even stop ISPs, if they wanted to, uh, to block websites or engage in this other conduct that people are, are worried about. The reason why we're not seeing a lot of this uh, activity is not because of the Title II rules that we're going to repeal. There's other reasons for that. Those other reasons are going to stay in place after we repeal Title II. Again, part of that is the Federal Trade Commission, part of it is federal antitrust laws, and we also have state consumer protection laws as well. So. A lot of this fear that people have about these bad things happening, it's misplaced in the sense that Title II is not the thing standing between us uh, and that type of conduct. Again, Title II was put in place for the first time in 2015. We didn't see this stuff before Title II, and Title II is not the reason we're not seeing it today.
2: So is that a concern for you, regardless of Title II or not? Is it a concern for you that maybe these companies would tend to go that way eventually on their own or find avenues to slow down or limit access uh, for certain groups of people or people who cannot spend as much money?
1: No, it's not a concern for me because, again, we're going to have a strong consumer protection backstop that is going to be nimble and able to address any of these harms to consumers that people have been raising, including uh, at the Federal Trade Commission. And again, Title II right now does not impose limits on how much ISPs can charge or how they can bundle. And so, again, I'd be concerned if we were going from a world in which we have all of these protections to a world in which we have no protections for consumers. Uh, but that's not the transition that we're making. Title II to Title I does not uh, unleash uh, ISPs to engage in all of this conduct.
2: You know, I think when from an American perspective, the Internet is sort of this – that we are able to um, it's sort of a great equalizer in many ways we're sort of just able to be or do whatever we want and for better or worse I mean I think that there are right ways and wrong ways perhaps to use the internet but nobody is there to tell us how to use the internet um, necessarily I mean obviously there are certain things that are prevented like uh, child pornography and, and certain things that are illegal but When I think about the comparison of maybe how the Chinese are able to access or the Russians are able to access uh, Mm -hmm. within their countries. And I think of more of a a limited world Mm -hmm. where their governments are more um, putting constraints upon them to make sure that they sort of have a a certain worldview going into the uh, access to the Internet. I, I think that that is a larger fear. Yeah. That could that that's even with these consumer protections that we could eventually get there. Are, are you confident that the consumer protections here would prevent that from happening where we don't eventually look like China or Russia or another country that sort of um, prevents people from from accessing a, a free and open world of the Internet?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you with the concern. We definitely don't want to head at all in that direction. I think some of the examples that you pointed out uh, are important uh, to contrast with what we're doing here in the U.S. You know those uh, repressive regimes that you identify; those are ones in which the government is playing a heavy-handed role in how the internet operates. Here, we're doing the opposite. We're trying to get the government out of the business of micromanaging how the internet uh, operates. In fact, there's a FCC rule under Title II called an Internet Conduct Standard that basically gives the FCC pretty broad authority to investigate different practices and decide whether they're permissible or not permissible. So I think getting the government out of the business of heavy-handed regulation of the internet is the right move in terms of freedom and in terms of being able to ensure that consumers get access to all the websites that they want.
2: Isn't it possible or, or, or arguable that um, by the government pulling back too far on regulating uh, the open market or the free market on this, that eventually it would have the adverse effect and that the free market would work in a way that would still limit in the way the governments would in other countries?
1: No, not at all. Again, I think when you look at uh, the consumer protections that are in place, when you look at our own experience, we don't need to theorize about what will happen. It wasn't that long ago, again, 2015, that we did not have these rules uh, in place and we weren't seeing that type of an environment develop. To the contrary, what we saw was the private sector investing over $1.5 $1.5 trillion into these networks. And again, the way these ISPs make money is by continuing to expand, continuing to get more subscribers. Their business case is built on the idea that they're offering a free and open internet where consumers can go everywhere and do anything they want. Uh, so I'm very comfortable with you know, going back to 2015. Uh, we're going to be continue to have a free and open internet without the negatives that we've seen with Title II. Again, the decrease in investment, the holding back on new offerings. So I'm Really looking forward to moving in that direction.
2: Commissioner Carr, I wanted to ask you about the backlash that you have received uh, on a personal level. Even I've been reading reports yeah. of people who are very, very upset and they are coming to maybe your house. I know that uh, Chairman Pai has seen this at his house and uh, signs posted, things, threats made against his family. I don't know if you've experienced that as well, but will you tell me a little bit about the backlash that you've received and whether or not you're yeah. surprised by some of it?
1: I personally had, you know, very little of it. I am really shocked about the degree uh, of vitriol we've seen towards uh, the FCC chairman, uh, particularly the turn towards the racist attacks on him, uh, towards bringing his children into the debate, uh, going into his neighborhood and putting up signs that uh, call his children out by name. Uh, It's uh, really disturbing and quite shocking. But look, you know, anything the government does in the space of the Internet or Internet regulation, it's an issue that it's going to touch a nerve and it's going to generate you know significant passion among people I get that that's the way it should be But all that said that debate that we're seeing the racist attacks the attacks on his family and his children that certainly crosses the line and I think everybody I would hope everybody uh... gets that again plenty of room for a robust reasonable debate about this issue and there are high passions here but clearly I think that's crossed the line
2: so that crossing the line, and it, but it does sound like you've made up your mind for the most part. You say a robust uh, debate. Is there still room in your mind for a debate that either this vote wouldn't take place in December or um, that perhaps the, the scope will be changed uh, of, the, uh, of the rollback of the regulation?
1: Well, we launched this rulemaking uh, back in April, I believe, and we've received over 20 million filings on this topic. We've developed a robust record. Uh, and the chairman last week uh, put the proposed order out there. I've reviewed it, and yes, I'm voting for this order, uh, and I'd be surprised uh, if there's, you know, any uh, major changes in the document. I'm open to hearing different ideas, but at this point, I'm going to be voting on December 14th in favor of this document and in favor of repealing Title II.
2: So lastly, I would ask you that if this didn't go as you foresee it going, And one year or two years later, you see down the line, um, perhaps this isn't going how you anticipated it would go. Is this something where you could revisit it and say, this is a new regulation we have to put in place? We have a new regulation we have to put in place that's going to prevent X, Y, and Z from happening.
1: Well, I'm confident that we're heading down the right direction. And to that point, this decision is going to put the Federal Trade Commission back as the cop on the beat. Again, right now, they're on the sidelines and unable to do anything with respect to ISPs. So by reversing Title II, the Federal Trade Commission will be fully empowered to reach any result, really, that the FCC could have reached uh, under its own Title II rules. So there's going to be no gap in authority or uh, uh, anything going forward with the Federal Trade Commission uh, fully empowered to act. So they'll be there to protect consumers if anything does happen.
2: Commissioner Carr, thank you so much for joining us on Detroit Today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: That was FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr speaking with Detroit Today senior producer Laura Weber-Davis. Up next, we're going to hear from Michigan Congressman Dan Kildee about his efforts to preserve Obama-era net neutrality rules, and we want to hear from you. Should the Internet all be treated equally by Internet service providers? Should you be able to charge different rates for different kinds of access or different kinds of data? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Thank you. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. and As always, thanks for tuning in. We are speaking this hour about net neutrality regulations that require Internet service providers to not block or slow down certain websites or certain kinds of data. It requires that they treat all data on the Internet equally. Joining us now to talk about a different perspective it. we heard in the first segment of the show from an FCC commissioner who wants to end net neutrality. Joining us now is Congressman Dan Kildee, a Democrat from Flint Township. He wants to keep the Obama-era rules in place. Uh, Congressman, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate uh, the chance to come on. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so let's let's first talk about what these rules have accomplished. Uh, they were adopted in 2015. What have we seen happen uh, with the internet and internet access since that time?
3: Well, it this rule has assured us that um, ISP uh, entities like AT and T, Comcast, Verizon, others cannot impose uh, restrictions, uh, you know, fast, high-speed lanes, um, uh, slowing down the internet in in certain areas, restricting access in certain areas for their own financial benefit. And I listened very carefully uh, to the the FCC commissioner that was on uh, your show just a few minutes ago. And you know he spoke about the fact that that um, this rule has somehow stunted innovation. Mm-hmm. Let's be really clear about this: the innovation that is current that is occurring on these digital platforms is accelerating in an enormous fashion. I mean, we all know that. What he's talking about when he refers to innovation, it's innovation in terms of how these internet service providers can change the market structure for their own benefit. The kind of innovation that he's talking about is exactly what we're trying to stop, not creating an environment where the information superhighway turns into a toll road, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what they're talking about when they're talking about innovation. It's innovation around market structure, not around the development of new technology and new applications. You know that all the listeners know that that's happening all the time in a very fast pace right now. Yeah, uh,
0: when you talk about these fast lanes or slowing down. Uh, certain kinds of data. Give us an example of what that would look like. I think sometimes it's difficult for people to sit and think, well, what would be different about my internet service if we didn't have this rule in place?
3: Well, so if this rule were not in place, it would be possible for an ISP, an internet service provider, that had a favored relationship or even a fiduciary interest, a pecuniary interest in a particular application, to prioritize uh, that particular uh, provider, that particular application, and slow down those that they disfavor. And so what we, what we would think as a consumer is the uh, sort of the normal operation of the internet. Uh, searches could instead target particular interests. Uh, some, inter- some particular providers of of video streaming, for example, could be slowed down if they're disfavored. The idea that this is sort of a free market question misses the point that the internet has not evolved as just sort of another um, service that people can procure. It's a platform that is a fundamental part of our societal infrastructure now. And we should never have a situation where the people who own that can somehow steer us in a direction that benefits their financial interest rather than simply allows us to navigate across the internet in a way uh, that is intended to meet our own needs and have free access to any source and any site that we choose without being sort of surreptitiously steered in one direction or another. Yeah. Uh,
0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Congressman Dan Kildee. He is a Democrat from Flint Township. We're talking about net neutrality, the idea that internet service providers cannot treat different websites differently. They cannot treat different data, different kinds of data differently for competitive advantage. Uh, These are Obama era rules that the Trump administration says it's going to try to repeal in the next few weeks. Is that a good idea? Should there not be any regulation of the internet in this way? Or is this a very important protector for access, equal access to the internet, which of course is no longer a luxury in our society. It's a necessity. Think of the things that you almost have to do online these days. We want to hear from you what you think about this discussion that's going on in Washington, how you think it might affect your life at the computer or on your phone. 313 1019 is the number. Uh, that's 313 1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Dan, I, I I often think that, that uh, this is... It, at its root, um, a reflection of the debate about uh, the debate in our society about access for pretty basic things. I mean, you think about a city like Detroit, where we are still in a position where 40% of Detroiters don't even have access to the internet. And I would imagine that uh, in your hometown of Flint, we would see very similar numbers poor urban areas that are already locked out. I think the thinking is that that, um, from a public policy standpoint, we ought to be pushing in a direction that gets more access, not less. And then sort of on the other side of the political divide, what you have is people who see the internet as just another means of commerce, um, a way to make money. And from that perspective, uh, this whole idea of being able to change the way you treat different people Uh, on the Internet or different kinds of uh, services or data, I guess, makes more sense. Is that an accurate uh, description of the the argument that we're having here?
3: It really is. And this really does come down to this question as to whether or not the the Internet, such as it is, is a utility uh, that ought to be open and available to anyone because it's a necessary pathway to full inclusion, in economic and social life in this country, which is what that's what I think. Or is it just a bunch of businesses that ought to be regulated by the Federal Trade Commission, just like a bunch of other businesses are? No, that's the reason the FCC was formed, because the airwaves are publicly owned. And the reason that the internet and all all of this ought to be governed under FCC regulation and not under FTC the way it's described is because it is a public utility. Whether they want to acknowledge it or not, be, because of the fact that it happened organically um, over time does not mean that it's not a public utility. So did a bunch of roads back in the 18th century happen to be developed organically over time. And then they were knit together as a network of public roads. The same thing's happening right now in the digital age. And we ought not ignore that. And And I think that is the fundamental distinction. There's another piece of this, though. This is not separated from the basic philosophy that this administration is bringing in, because let's let's be clear about this. Uh, this is not just Chairman uh, uh, Pai's effort. This is the administration. Right. They are also the same administration right now that is working very hard to undermine the protections that were put in place in the financial sector after the housing crisis. So this is a really a question of whether or not as citizens and as consumers, we should be able to look to the government to provide some level playing field when we're dealing with these mega- Corporations, whether they're financial institutions that almost wreck the economy, or a series of internet service providers that that really want to be able to continue to mip, manipulate the market to their own advantage. Let's be. This is this is about their interest in manipulating the marketplace to their own advantage, uh, and and I think that's one point that we have to continue to drive home. Yeah.
0: Uh, no surprise, lots of people want to participate in this conversation. i in about the argument about net neutrality. Again, the number is 1019 on the phones. Let's go to Sean in Southfield. Sean, welcome to Detroit Today.
4: Oh, hi. Yep. Uh, thank you. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. Great. Thanks for taking my call. I love right. you. But uh, what I was called about was that the commissioner had said that the rules that we have in place now with the FCC protecting – uh, consumers is are not preventing uh, inequality in the internet uh, and so then if that's why we shouldn't worry about the FTC taking over control uh, what what does the congressman know about what that uh, what the commissioner was claiming there
0: yeah that's a great question uh, Sean thanks very much for the for the call uh, Congressman go ahead and talk about the difference between FTC and FCC oversight.
3: Well, I mean, the, the Federal Trade Commission is the entity, obviously, that deals with just what it says. It deals with commerce and trade. And the FCC was formed to manage the public airwaves. And so it really comes down to an ideological question and the way the tools work. The FTC is is organized to regulate business functions and business-to-business transactions, trade. Um, you know, that entire sort of... Uh, uh, sphere. And all of its tools are organized around that. What, what we worry about is that by pulling um, management and oversight of the internet out of more specific regulation under the FCC, we lose the notion that a principle that has to be the overarching principle is that this is a public utility. That just as the FCC was formed to Help control the management of the public airwaves and allow equal access for radio and television. It needs to apply that same principle to um, to the internet. And so the concern for us is if what he says is true, and I don't believe that it's true, then why make this change in the first place? In other words, if their position is there's no problem, then there should be no problem with the FCC continuing to have this oversight. There should be no problem with the FCC continuing to have a rule that says no ISP can, uh, can use um, efforts to slow down access to certain sites, speed up access to others, block some, prioritize others. If that's the case, and if what he says is true, then there's nothing that would be accomplished by making this change. What we don't, but we don't accept that premise. We don't accept the notion that if, these, if this rule is repealed, that these ISPs won't take advantage of that. Right. And then they're only governed by whatever FTC, uh, Federal Trade Commission regulation would manage and monitor sort of the, the, uh, the nature of business to business transactions and, and the, the sort of protections that they typically govern. There's a difference. The internet is not just a business. If it were, the Federal Trade Commission would be the proper venue. The internet is a public utility, yeah. and we have to treat it as such.
0: Yeah. Again, Sean, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Frank in Livonia. Frank, welcome to Detroit today.
5: Hi. Uh, good morning. Um, you know, I'd like to uh, mention that you know pornography is uh, you know is is just so widespread on the internet and it harms so many people, you know, when you have like the, uh, you know, uh, uh, human trafficking, uh, you know, child pornography, all these kinds of things, Mm -hmm. when the internet uh, service providers, they'll have to take responsibility for this content, you know, otherwise they would become accessories you know, to these crimes. And I and I like the analogy and the met- metaphor of, of uh, using the roads, you know, I mean, the roads are open to everybody, but there are regulations, you know, how fast you can drive, you know, what type of vehicles, you know, how heavy they are, you know, and all these types of things. So, uh, even when you drive onto the interstate highway, it says, you know, minimum of 125 cc's, uh, no farm implements, no animals. So, um, I think this is a, this is a good thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, to clean this up. There's a, there's a lot of bad actors on the internet, and I think that uh, the service providers then would have to take responsibility for that so, uh, content. So, so
0: Frank, uh, Frank, just quickly, are, are you saying that you think there should be different kinds of regulations on the internet, more than, than the net neutrality?
5: Uh, Yes, I'm against net neutrality because, uh, you know, and again, anybody can put whatever they want out there, and and as Mm. we can see in the current political climate with the Russians and all these kinds of things, you know, I mean, anybody can bust in here, but if uh, if there are regulations where the provider has to take responsibility for the content, would be like your newspaper or your radio station, I mean, you're not going to just let anybody come in there and, uh, you know, you screen this call.
0: Right. Right. right.
5: So I mean, you know, and, and otherwise, if, if you know, radio neutrality or road neutrality, anybody could call you. The only thing you could do is just queue them up by you know first come, first serve, and they could say anything you want. But yet you screen these calls. Yeah. So yeah. this is the same the same principle.
0: Okay. Okay, Frank. Uh, I appreciate the the call and the comments, uh, Congressman Kilby. I'll give you a chance to to respond.
3: Yeah. I mean, I understand the point, but that's really not what net neutrality means. Right, uh, because these internet service providers have responsibility for content anyway. The question is whether or not the FCC has the ability to steer us. I'm sorry, not the FCC. The internet service providers would under F- under the FCC uh, repeal would have the ability to steer us wherever they would like, not regulating the content. Content is is uh, clearly a subject that requires uh, a close scrutiny. We want to obviously balance freedom, uh, the free flow of information, uh, protecting our constitutional rights of, of free expression with you know any expression that violates the law or preys on individuals, et cetera, et cetera. I get all that. But to say that we should trust internet service providers, To not only make those decisions for us, for with whom over whom we have no authority, but we should also allow them to make decisions about which, uh, you know, which online purchasing platform we should prioritize when it comes to buying, you know, music or purchasing groceries that are going to be delivered or you name it. So the idea that. The content uh, needs to be scrutinized is one question, but that's not going to improve by allowing internet service providers to somehow prioritize where the internet takes us. Yeah. And that's really what this question is about. It's not a question about uh, censorship of, you know, objectionable material.
0: Okay. Congressman Dan Kilde, Democrat from Flint Township, as always, thanks for joining us. On Detroit Today.
3: Thank you, Stephen. We'll speak with you soon.
0: Up next, we're going to hear from two experts on different sides of this debate about what they think about net neutrality. And we want to continue to hear from you. 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. <laughs> Listening to Detroit today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are spending the hour today talking about net neutrality, the idea that all of the data on the internet needs to be treated equally. The Trump administration says it wants to end the rules that were put in place in 2020. 20- Fifteen by the Obama administration, but some advocates say that's going to lead to a sort of online access inequality. Uh, we heard from an FCC commissioner at the top of the show and talked with Congressman Dan Kildee about uh, the the various dimensions of. This argument. Uh, and uh, now we want to talk to two advocates on opposite sides of the issue. Joining us now are Stina Eckert. She's an assistant professor of communication and chair of the Feminist Scholarship Division at Wayne State University. Also with us is James Cattuso. He is a senior research fellow in the Rowe Institute for Economic Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation. He handles regulatory and telecommunications issues for the Heritage Foundation. He's also a former FCC Deputy Policy Chief. Uh, We want to also continue to hear from you this hour. What do you think about the rules that govern internet access now? And do you think, if we change them, that we would see a differentiation sort of open up in the way that people access the internet or their ability to access the internet? Would some people just be sort of left out of online access, which, of course, is increasingly not a luxury. It's just the kind of thing that you have to have in your life, in your home, in order to get certain things done. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag us as a trade today, and we will try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Stina, I'm going to start with you. Uh, talk about why what we did in 2015 with these new regulations made sense then, uh, and what we have learned in the two years since about how important uh, you, you feel like they are.
6: So the 2015 rule came to be, and I think it's important to understand that because in the past there have been cases in which, um, for example, Comcast fraudled or limited services uh, because it didn't fit their bill. So we know Comcast initially didn't like Netflix um, and then Netflix had to pay them extra money uh, in order to get their services Um, before Comcast had a big fight with BitTorrent. um, Similarly, fraudling that service as peer-to-peer file sharing and then there was the famous Madison River case, um, where they also didn't like voice over IP. So we had several cases in the past where ISPs throttled or limited services because they didn't like it. Um, because they so, thought
0: it was it was a competitive advantage to do so, a financially competitive advantage, correct? Right,
6: right? right. And so um, the 2015 rule clarified that that is not okay because it does hurt um, users. It hurts customers. Uh, and it's not making it a fair playing field when the ISPs have that power. So the 2015 rule clarified that in order to prevent these cases that clearly happened in the past.
0: Yeah. And, and have we seen a decrease in the incidence of, of those things since then? Has, that, has it worked?
6: Yeah. Over the past two years, I haven't really um, seen any, any such um, cases. Um, and uh, the FCC just over the past 20 years has continued to think about What is the Internet? What does it mean to us? How do we treat it? Uh, And we heard before that some people want to treat it as a business case, as a market entity, whereas other people are arguing just like the road system, like electricity in the past, um, has to be recognized as a public utility as it is evolving as a thing in our society. Um, In the past, we know Thomas Edison, when he developed electricity, he would pawn it off to whoever would pay for it. Uh, And then we recognize electricity is important for us to run as a society. And it's the same with the Internet. Uh, We are coming to recognize it's important for everyone to have fair and equal access. And the FCC has worked to ensure that um, over the past 20 years. And uh, the new rule would um, put too much power toward the ISPs, toward businesses to make these decisions for us.
0: Yeah. Uh, James Cattuso, you take the absolute opposite view to what we just heard Stina saying. Uh, you say that rather than guarding against market abuse, uh, these rules have been invoked in attempts to hinder innovation. Talk about what that, what that means.
7: Well, I, I think they, they, they do hinder, hinder innovation. You know, if you were going to come up with rules that would limit the growth of the Internet, uh, uh, discourage investment, and make innovation difficult. Uh, you, you have a hard time coming kind of, kind of, up uh, with rules that did that better than these. Uh, uh, but I don't think that is our goal. Uh, you know, the the the, the other uh, guest mentioned a fair and equitable internet. I would rather have a fast and abundant access to to the internet, and and that's what we are foreclosing, or at least discouraging with, with these rules.
0: And, and but but be more specific. How do these rules? Discourage that. I mean, if, if I think of my own consumer experience with uh, Internet and broadband, all I've seen is things get more uh, available than they used to be and faster than they used to be. I have a connection in, in my home now that is 10 times as fast as it was four years ago. So, well, that, so uh, what's right. the... And
7: you look at what the Internet looked like in, uh, say, 2002, when this debate really got going. You know, you know, Friendster was the uh, only, only uh, social media site and had a whopping 3 million users. Uh, Blockbuster was the video store where people got their videos instead of online. There are 3 million websites instead of half a billion websites like there are now. And all that growth, almost all that growth, except for the last two years, was during a period of light regulation with, with no enforced net neutrality rules. There were voluntary rules, but, but the FCC had no mandatory um, um, restrictions or, or, or uh, requirements. And, and the Internet was growing like gangbusters. And uh, um, we've seen that slow over the last couple of years. Investments down. Uh, innovations have, have been uh, uh, questioned. And uh... in in not just innovations by big companies, but by challengers in the marketplace. Remember, the, these rules don't just apply to to the, the, the big companies that know sure. uh, the market. Their companies, like T-Mobile, that's number four in the wireless market, uh, peddling as fast as it can to to, to to catch up. But but it, it, it had a good program of of, of sponsored sites where or where, where they, they, they partner with ESPN and other companies to get their uh, um, uh, uh, content on, on T-Mobile's phones uh, with no charge to the, to the customer. That was good for T-Mobile, good for the content provider, and good for the consumer who got free access to content. Yeah. The FCC questioned that, and were it not for the change of chairmanship, I think, think that whole program would have been barred by now.
0: Okay. Uh, stina is that... Is that reflect your experience that we're seeing a slowdown in the growth of the internet or in innovation? And, and let's be clear about when we talk about innovation. Uh, I, I get the sense that what James is talking about is, is market innovation uh, as opposed to technological innovation, which I think is uh, you can't just sort of mash up those things together.
6: Yeah, when we talk about technolo- technological innovation, we know that over the past couple of years, Bitcoin has taken off as well as other cryptocurrencies. It's, that's clearly an innovation that comes through the Internet. And uh, it lets us think about the future. And that has happened over the past two, three years especially. So technological innovation has taken off over the past two years. And so the 2015 rule that, again, has, um, has continued a tradition of the FCC to ensure an open Internet um has um, helped to bring these technological innovations to come to fruition
0: and and if you had if you got rid of these uh, th- these these rules would they would they uh, would these companies uh, misbehave i guess uh, in the in the way that that you're imagining what what is it that tells you that these companies won't then just compete in a way that expands access. I mean, there is there is market theory that says uh, less regulation brings more uh, innovation and uh, ideas into the marketplace. What's wrong with that?
6: Um, again, like you said, uh, what kind of innova- innovation do you mean? Do you mean innovation that... Um that kind of helps the, the business model, the, the profit, the bottom line, or we're we talking about innovation uh, that comes from people who have access to the internet, to an open internet, to come up with technological solutions um, that can help us in our society. Um, so um, if these new rules are put into place, the risk is high that the power is, for the ISPs is way too high to determine who has access to the internet in which way, and that again will stifle technological innovation potentially.
0: Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Tim in Detroit. Tim, welcome to Detroit Today.
4: Hi. um, Hi. I just want to say the United States, uh, as big as we are, we we have the, the worst internet service, the slowest pre- speed, and the highest prices. And that's because of the control that the cable industry has over this, this business. We should have municipal broadband. You know, People talked about that for a while until the lobbyists got in and paid the legislatures to change all of that. But we have to have an open internet. The, you know, in the media, a few companies are buying up all the local stations, and so, if we don't have at least open access on the internet, then that means uh, if the information that we get to make critical decisions will be reduced.
0: Hmm. Uh, Tim, thanks very much for the call and uh, the comments, James Gannis. I'll give you a uh, get so I'll give you a chance to to respond to yeah. what he's saying there.
5: Well, you know, th- think
7: about what we're seeing here. That, that uh, we, we, we everyone wants innovation, we want competition, we want, want new players out there doing things in different and in, in better ways than they are now. So, so, our way to achieve that is to uh, uh, impose a rule requiring all services to be the same, uh, uh, literally prohibiting uh, companies from doing things in a different way, uh, uh, and, and that's really is the effect of net neutrality. Uh, you know, if I'm coming into a marketplace, you know, whether I'm T-Mobile or Tesla in the, in the car market, the only way I am gonna beat the big guys is if I do something different, if either I have a better product or I have a cheaper product. I have something to differentiate myself. Well, that is harder to do when you have a law banning differentiation. Uh, uh, It's going exactly the opposite way. I think net neutrality is a surrender of of, of our hopes for for, for a competitive and innovative uh, uh, Internet uh, uh, in in favor of a a, a concession of of a monopoly of the sort that you have in, in electricity and water companies, for God's sakes. Uh, I don't
0: think that's the model we want at all. Well, I mean, let's look at what those quote-unquote monopolies ensure, which is that people who who are not attractive uh, in the marketplace, people who are uh, isolated geographically, people who don't have lots of money, are still served uh, because of the sort of centralization of – of the, the the control of those services, what what are you arguing that if we had private water systems, for instance, in the in the United States, that we'd have clean drinking water for everybody?
7: Well, I think for for, for the water industry, it's an industry that's not changed a whole lot in, in the last century. Uh, electricity has changed a bit, but but, but still basically the, the the same business it was a century ago. But but you look at broadband internet, it's not like those at all. Uh, Now, So maybe you want some sort of public utility-style oversight for for, for companies where you don't expect change and you're asking for change, but but that's the opposite of what we have with broadband Internet. You want change. You want the table to be overturned every once in a while. Uh, You're not going to achieve that by putting in public utility regulation. You're going to achieve that by opening up the marketplace and saying, uh, buy what you want, craft as you want. Be original and how you put together your, your your product offering, and you not only grow your company that way and serve more consumers, but I think you get a lot of those markets that otherwise would not be served. Okay. Uh, you Yeah, know, if you have all one size fit all regulation, you're you're not going to um... get those those. those, those Smaller
0: populations covered. Uh, Zach on Twitter says, I'm not an Internet expert, nor do I pretend to be one. But when has trusting oligarchic corporations in the name of deregulation ever turned out to help America? Jim on Twitter says, Internet now offers gig speed with net neutrality and Amazon will pay to monopolize without neutrality. Again, if you want to join the conversation, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine 1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put your comments there, go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Let's go to Jerry in Erie, Illinois. Jerry, we're very glad you're listening Good morning. so far away. Good yes. morning, sir. <laughs> yeah, go My ahead. My son
4: and I discussed this issue over Thanksgiving. His point to me was, there's no incentive. I countered with, what do you mean no incentive?" You want to keep customers. You've got to keep the price competitive. You've got to give people service. Where I live, in the county of Whiteside, Illinois, we have the worst transmission lines in the county. They're 40, 50 years old. Transmission through DSL is intermittent. So I call the company and complain, my provider, uh-huh. and I get an excuse that, well, Local laws prohibit us from putting in fiber optic. And I said that's a bunch of buck. So you can get here in Erie, either Hughes, which is satellite, uh, Mediacom, which is cable, or Frontier, which is DSL. The prices are competitive with 50 to 60 bucks per month. But none of us are getting good, consistent service. Huh. So that to me should be the incentive. And yeah. let, let, let Go ahead,
7: that.
0: James. Yeah. Uh,
7: yeah, If you want good, consistent service, I don't think you'll get that with a public utility. Y- you need more competition, and that, that should be the, the goal—not not, not to narrow down the, the, the number of competitors. Uh, but to get back to what you said a second ago, um, I, I think you know, I, I, certainly I'm not arguing for trusting the, the big companies. First off, the biggest companies in this whole debate are on the pro-regulation side: mm-hmm. Google, Facebook. Uh, Amazon. Uh, uh, th- those are the companies that, that want regulation of their competitors. Well, I've been I thinking about that a little bit. Uh, um, you know, this is certainly not a big guy versus a little guy fight. But, but secondly, um, in terms of trusting, remember this market under either plan would not be deregulated. Uh, uh, the FCC has made it very clear. The Federal Trade Commission has made it very clear that if uh, uh, the the proposal goes through to roll back the FCC. C rules the uh, antitrust authorities would, would take over what what uh, should have been their job anyway uh, uh rooting out actual abuses in the marketplace uh not 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 one size fits all not 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 the a, a general conduct rule that the SEC will decide on you know you know, what uh, before you make your investment but, but but something where where you actually have cops on the beat uh, yeah. uh economically yeah and, and that that that's a system that applies to almost every other industry in, in the in the country. It has been in place for a century. Uh, and I haven't seen anything that that, that, that leads me to think it would not work in, in the U.S. Yeah. It, it, in, uh, fact, in fact, that, that, that decision we, we had in place until two years ago.
0: Right. Stina, uh respond to what James is saying there in terms of competition being the solve for the problems that Jerry's talking about there in the URI.
6: Yeah. The, the problem is that um, the US has uh, a lot of areas where there's just one broad, broadband provider. Uh, like like the caller said, there are a lot of areas where people do not have good access to the internet. Um, and uh, the companies that are providing uh, services, these ISPs, they're different from from Google, from Amazon. That's, that's a whole different type of industry. They're providing content, but they're not the ISPs. Um, but the ISPs are not very available to a lot of people. And when there is more power put toward the ISPs, they have an incentive um, to to put their services there where people are willing and able to pay. Um, if people are not able to pay, there's very little incentive for them to provide that service, um, and so it would increase their power.
0: Yeah, you, you know,
7: I, I have to jump in here.
0: Um, yeah, we've got about we've really got like, about 30 seconds left. Here, right. so. well,
7: I, I just don't see the the, the logic in in solving a a problem of lack of competition, uh, lack of entry, uh, lack of choice in the local market. Uh, I certainly want more of all that, uh, but uh, I I don't see how putting in regulations that that discourage investment and and, uh, slow down the the, the whole process helps anyone. Anyway. It, it doesn't increase competition. It doesn't put one new new uh, entrant in the marketplace. It will discourage it.
0: Okay. Uh, that's going to be, have to be where we leave this conversation. I want to thank you, Steena Eckert, Assistant Professor of Communication and Chair of the Feminist Scholarship Division at Wayne. Also, James Gattuso, Senior Research Fellow in the Roe Institute for Economic Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation for being here. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.